Welcome, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Why do they hate Miranda? You're listening to I Couldn't Help But Podcast. Carrie is the fucking worst. An unofficial Sex in the City podcast. Hosted by Joe Daniel Montalongo and Paige Clarno. Charlotte, shut the fuck up. Sick. Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Do I sound like Cher yet? We sound so freaking great right now. I can't believe it's not better. Oh, yeah. So we're at Dream Life Studios, you guys. That's why we sound amazing and not like we're recording from an iPhone. So surprise. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be so much fun today. You guys are in for a special treat. Paige, tell them why they're in for a treat. You're in for a treat because we are not recapping an episode today because Sex and the City doesn't cover everything. Surprise, it doesn't. So, Surprise. What other things does it not cover? Well, for example, polyamory. It does. It never covers it because it was never really a thing in the 90s. So in addition to recording from a super hot studio, um, we also have a super hot guest star. What? What? So say hey, Jess. Hey, Jess. <laughs> Oh, you're so funny. I know, so clever. You should do comedy. Uh, thank you. Just I'll does comedy. It. Right now I'm producing a podcast, so. Can't do it all you at once. All. I laughed at polyamory wasn't a thing in the 90s. It, no, but like, I mean, it might have been a thing in the 90s, but like no one talked about it. You know, it's like how there was no you know, gay in the 50s, that kind of thing. Right. And right, in that right. same sense. Oh my god! <laughs> so that that's so my cat straight up opening the door to our studio hey, with her paw. Her name's Charlotte, so she's totally themed for the podcast. Except she's totally a Samantha. Totally, totally a Samantha. Is. She's Hi, a big slut. That was kind of scary though. Like I had flashbacks of Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like here's Johnny. <laughs> just because like I just saw the head poke out. And I was like, hello. It was she super awesome to be in the podcast. I just Hi. don't understand why you guys like thought of me for the Polly podcast. Is it like that obvious? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. You're the only person that we know in a polyamorous relationship. Oh, no, really? Let's yeah. Be real. How many people do we know can handle being a fantastic producer, a killer editor, a mom, a wife, a super sick person, a super sick girlfriend, manage all these different things? Obviously, she's doing something right, so... You Joe Daniel, the episode's already free, babe. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sweet. No, what we're you. saying is you poly everything. Yeah, you I... poly the fuck up, and that's mm-hmm. tough, because I can't even sit still. Yeah. And that's one task that I have to do, and you do all these different things. So that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Thank you so, so yeah. much for being you. I'm like, the poly does seep into all areas of my life. Like, I'm everything <laughs> for everything. I just don't like to make a choice. Why would I limit myself? That's how I feel. I love right. that. So for the people who have absolutely no idea, because there are people that listen that are like, what's polyamory? What is polyamory to you, Jess? So polyamory to me is, first of all, the umbrella way I would describe it is non-monogamy. So it's just, it's like non-monogamy is like the queer of, you know, it's just this umbrella. Um, but then there's a lot of ways to be non-monogamous. And so polyamory to me is specifically we are conscious. We're not just non-monogamous. We are specifically choosing to enter into loving 
relationships with people other than our primary, so other than my primary partner, who is my husband legally. And um, we do it consciously, and we're and we're actually looking for love, and that's where the amorous comes from. So there's a lot of ways to be non-monogamous. You could be all about like you and your partner um, exploring with other relationships together, and it's always sexual and never romantic and intimate. Or it could be when you're out of town, you go out and do your own thing, and your partner doesn't know about it. They don't hear about it, but they're okay with it. You have their permission. Go to bars, get drunk, pick up people. We're not. I mean, if the if those things happen, I think Joe and I would probably high five each other, but. But that's not our intention. We don't intentionally um, just go out to fuck. Can I say fuck? Yes. Okay. You can do you we want. don't just go out to fuck. Absolutely. <laughs> we actually like to fall in love, and we actually like to have like romance and intimacy. Even though sometimes those don't, we don't actually have sex with those partners. And so sometimes we will have a girlfriend or a boyfriend that we are madly in love with, love with, but we're not actually having sex. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think makes polyamory like so interesting and different is it's, it's not swinging and it's not mm-hmm. whoredom. And I'm okay with all of those, things. <laughs> but that's not what we are. So perfect. Do you mind if like throughout this, we ask a couple of questions as they are phrased by most people that I know, yeah, totally. I don't want to, I don't want to offend it. I don't want to offend you, your relationship, your lifestyle. I just want to ask these questions how I have heard them over the years. I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. And I th- we were closeted for the first year that we were poly. And now that we're not closeted, we love being asked questions. And don't worry about offending me because um, that's, you know, I have a lot of privilege in my life. I am mostly straight white girl. So mm-hmm. I can get offended from time to time and be like, you don't understand my queer lifestyle. It's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, one of the things that you brought up, which I thought was interesting, because most people think like polyamorous, oh, you're just fucking a bunch of other people. You said that it was also about like rom- romance and intimacy. So you have your primary relationship. At any point, do you feel like that's being damaged or hurt by being intimate with other people? Because for, not- for monogamous people, that's kind of their thing. Like you can like flirt a little, wink a little at other people, but the intimacy and the romance has to be between the two, the couple. No, and there's a learning curve, and there is a man in town who is very, very close to me. He's like a brother. He is the reason I am poly. Like, well, I am naturally poly. I didn't know this. W- it was a term. I didn't know it was called something. Um, and so this older brother-like figure of mine, when he came around four years ago, right before we got married, and told me it was a thing, and told me like there was a way to do it, I was like, oh, that's who I am. But um, the way that he put it, and keep in mind, he's very, I almost, he's almost Spock-like to me. Because, I mean, he has emotions. He's an incredible artist and musician. But the way he thinks is very, like, Spock. And he was just like, think about all of the different things that you do in your life. Like, you have people you go hiking with. You have people you podcast with. You have people you pay, play tennis with. And your partner's probably not involved in all of those things. Why would your partner care if one of those categories of things is people I'm intimate with? So why is intimacy suddenly something that you can only do with one person? Whereas if my partner was like, you can go hiking with no one but me, you'd be like that psycho and crazy. (laughs) I love that. Right. Well, and it has a little bit to do with our culture and how we think of sex and intimacy. So I'm not saying it's bad. If you're listening to this, I am not like (laughs) polyamory is superior and monogamy is just for unevolved people. That is not if you are monogamous, then you are monogamous for a polyamorous person. It doesn't make sense to my brain to be like these things are different or more sacred. And I still think that sex is sacred. I just don't think its sacredness is ruined by the more people that you share it with. Right. That's interesting because I've always felt similar to it because my boyfriend asked asked me about it because I'm a polyamorous person. 
in a monogamous relationship with my boyfriend. That's what we agreed on. So that's kind of how we're living. And when he asked me about it, I was like, okay, well, like you, for the most part, have two sets of parents. You don't just have one parent and exclude the other one. When you have siblings, you have siblings, like you love all of them. When you have your close friends, you have all of them. So how is it in this specific type of relationship that you only limit yourself to one person? See, and that's such a great example. Another really good, like, and again, like my mind was opened by this person. And that's why I like repeat the way he taught me things, because these things landed in my world and like rewired my brain. So one thing that really, so my parents are not thrilled about it. They just think it's kind of weird and, you know, and I get it. If you've never been introduced or something, you would just, some people assume monogamy just is, it's not just a cultural thing. It's, it's nature, you know, or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So like, there's no other way. Um, But the way it landed in my world that was like the most mind blowing one time was so I have step parents on both sides. My parents were divorced when I was two. I don't even have memory of them together. And my step parents on both sides are so have been in my life for so long that around the same time, I would say five, six years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, like my mom and dad both separately approached me and told me to stop saying stepfather and stepmother and they were like they're actually offended when you can you just say dad can you just say mom when you introduce them to your friends mm-hmm. and that makes me uncomfortable because i it's like i watch it confuse people you know like right. this is my We're, dad and they're like uh, you know I whatever was your dad. i thought <laughs> i thought i already met your dad yeah but the, my point is that to my parents, from their point of view, I have four parents, and it's actually offensive to them if you distinguish step from real. So my question is, and this comes up a lot when people are like, so you're going to stop being poly when you have kids, right? How come it's okay for that you to have four parents, but there must be divorce involved? There must be some sort of great hate involved or something like that. I, I want my kid to have four parents, and I want it to be from love. Yeah. Hmm. Right. So it's okay for me to have four parents because divorce and monogamy is involved in the equation. But if you just decided that you, your primary partner, and then would extend that to a greater community to be the parents, and that's where people are like, no, that's garbage, blah, blah, blah. Why can't my kid have step-parents without me and my first partner initially getting divorced? Ugh. Right? Yeah, Uh, and when it comes down to it, it's all like you're getting so much love from everyone. Why would you turn down love? Yeah, when all these people are trying to open doors and they're like have open arms and they wanted to care for your child, why would Mm -hmm. you be like, no, we're going to limit it to two people Mm -hmm. and then maybe you get like to see them every now and then. Unless you want to get divorced, Mm -hmm. then you can have more. It's just like it's not a necessary part of the equation. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you bring up polyamory to your husband well he was there in the conversation uh with with my spocky friend um and so i've always been way more queer than my husband and he knew that from day one so i've always been like let's you know girls and mm-hmm. and threesomes and things like that and um it just made him uncomfortably and in- uncomfortable initially because it was so out of his realm of experience but he knew who i was mm-hmm. for sure so As soon as the conversation came up, you could almost tell, like, I, zero convincing. I knew who I was, and I knew, like, this is my path. He now, and I kind of wish that he was here because he hates it when I speak for him. Disclaimer, I am trying not to speak for my husband. I'm going to yell for Joe right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he's out gardening right now. He would absolutely not change anything about our lifestyle now. Wait, is he naked? 
He's naked gardening. Oh my gosh, we have to take a second break. No, don't take a break. You guys keep talking. I'll go out. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, you just keep explaining your life that this is about. We're gonna, we're gonna leave. (laughs) Go enjoy him. And you know, I love him so much, and he's such a great person. I do feel like, why should I keep him to myself? Like, if he was naked gardening right now, I owe it to the world to let (laughs) us all go out there. You know, it's not just for me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so he went in a little more resistant mm-hmm. and that was just his journey and i was maybe a little too pushy but i also just knew like that's i for me it's a sexual orientation mm-hmm. so you know and i'm not going to go as hard like it's not a choice you know it's a little different but for me i'm like i know this is who i am and i know that my ideal partner would be that too so you either is or you ain't so is you is or is you ain't yeah which i mean Eventually he was though, right? Like so he takes took some convincing, but like how long did it take? Um, it was a rough first year in complete vulnerability because um at first it was just kinda like, oh fun, experimenting with like friends, blah blah blah. And then I fell in love and like came out of nowhere. And it was hard. It was rough because it was like that intense like fire love like right Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to drive that yet you have to learn how to drive these different levels of like love and i didn't know how to do that yet so it was a rough first year and he chose to not date in that entire year so it was like an imbalance Mm -hmm. um not that you have to be in balance especially when you get good at it but in the beginning when you're both new Mm -hmm. it's hard to not Mm -hmm. both and um and that's just, that was his pace. That he didn't want to. That's what he needed. And he'll tell you he learned so much he wouldn't change a thing. Um, because polyamory, ironically, sends you back to yourself. So in monogamy, yes. you can kind of falsely cling um, in an unhealthy relationship. If that's what you have, you can fa- un- like falsely cling to each other of, okay, I will hold on to you. You will be my everything. You hold on to me. I'll be your everything. Mm-hmm. As soon as that partner has a new partner, you're suddenly back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a beautiful kind of irony of the more pre- people you bring in, the lonelier you can actually feel. Which is good because then once you can be alone in a romantic relationship, there's really nothing that can, um, nothing that can wreck you. So um, things got really fun. <laughs> uh, I... At our year mark, um, this awesome, perfect, really fun girl came along, rocked Joe's world a little bit, and then, I mean, his heart just blew open. And it's not like he went down the deep, dark love rabbit hole that I did, but it was like the perfect little first girlfriend for him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, where I would like come home and they'd be in the backyard and you'd see our landlord walk by and he'd be like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just, like, somebody he could have fun with, he didn't have to take too seriously, but that he definitely loved exploring with. And then it evened things out. And then it became him being like, oh, I get it now. And Mm. me being like, wow, and now I get to show you kind of, like, what it's like to be the supportive partner. Um, That's so beautiful. Yeah, and you switch roles, and then you see, oh, this is why this is hard sometimes. Right. Yeah. So, um, jealousy and, like, schedule-wise... So, like, coming home and seeing him with another girl doesn't upset you whatsoever because, like, your heart is, like, full enough that you're like, oh, he's having a good time, and I'm glad that he's having a good time, right? Yeah, totally. So, for me, um, 
if I were attempting polyamory with someone who I was not in a completely secure relationship with, it would be a problem. Hmm. But, like, Joe and I are beyond secure. So jealousy isn't a problem because I don't lack security. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the times where maybe something else is going on in my life and it manifests as, like, an insecurity in that moment... Um, it's just your job to be really affirming instead of getting like, Ugh, you shouldn't be jealous and you shouldn't like, why are you getting triggered? It's like, oh my God. Okay. What can I tell you to reassure you that you are my number one? You want me to cancel the state? You want me to, and it's sometimes it's just knowing that like he would drop somebody else mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. told him to, but I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And really like, I'm really selfish ultimately. And so I'm like, every time I'm supportive of him, I feel like I'm setting the stage for how I want to be treated you know, so I'm selflessly selfish. <laughs> um, with that, I know because I, as a bisexual, I'm constantly told, "Oh, bisexuals are selfish." Like that's the that's the mentality behind it. Like selfish or greedy. How would you say that polyamory doesn't fit into that category of being selfish or greedy of just having mul- wanting multiple partners? I think it is selfish. I just don't think our understanding <laughs> of selfishness is. Because everyone's wants are, you know, think of, I think of it as like, I don't know, um, a hundred. You have a hundred wants or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, if those are divided between guys and girls or more than one, whatever, it's still the same. I'm still living my life with wants just like everyone else's. I just have more options of flavors. I don't know. Oh, (laughs) that's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I guess I don't really have a limit, you know, and it can be. I told Paige the other day, it's like a hobby. Mm-hmm. And so that hobby can be distracting. Sometimes I can devote a little too much time to it. like, And then you give up other things. Um, and I'm kind of a sucker for love. Falling in love is like my favorite hobby. And so <laughs> sometimes I get out of balance in the rest of my life. And I have to be like, you know what? I need to drop a couple boyfriends or girlfriends. <laughs> and like, because I can use love to distract from things I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ultimately yeah. it's an indulgent hobby because I don't really need it, but it does help me grow. And so like, I, I try to find partners who have some sort of healing or something to teach me some sort of significant thing I'm learning so that it is a learning experience. Get your heart broken, put it back together, repeat. So. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's a little bit of backstory. I've recently started dating multiple people, which I never thought in my life Yay. would have been happen. Um, quite honestly, I really was like, there's no way I'm going to get one person to date me so I don't have to worry about this polyamory thing ever. <laughs> and and now I am weirdly dating multiple people. And I was just, I like texted Jess out of the blue and I was like, how do you do this? Like, I haven't even spoken to one of the guys that I'm dating in like three, four weeks. And I'm overwhelmed because I've gone out on like three dates in a week <laughs> with somebody else. And I like feel weird because I feel like I'm cheating even though both of them know that I'm dating other people and like Jess is this she's so great because every once in a while she'll be like programming (laughs) it really it's programming and there's a deprogramming process and as long as you're being honest you can trust that it's just programming if you're hiding something that's on you that makes you shady Hmm. But if you are openly sharing what's going on with other people to the extent that they want to know. So if someone's like, I don't want to know, I don't think I would date someone who didn't want to know because I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I like transparency, but that's their prerogative. So as long as you're sharing and a lot of times people hide behind the whole like, well, I don't think they need to know or I don't think they want to know. No, not your call. You share everything and then you trust the other person to be like, "Mm, TMI. 
Right. Um, but yeah, as long, that's just programming. And the deprogramming process, I would say, is like a year, maybe two years. Um, because I know when I was like first falling in love, my brain was like, one of these is a lie. Either my husband is the lie or this new person is the lie. And, and I kept trying to figure out which one was the lie instead of considering they're both true. And that was like part of the deprogramming. Dude. Yeah. And it runs really deep. Mm -hmm. And the thing about polyamory that's cool is like everyone can kind of fill these puzzle pieces. And so I'm also dating someone who is hella busy, doesn't have time to communicate and only occasionally has time to date, that works well for me hmm. because it keeps me from getting too distracted. They don't need me. I don't really need them. And when our schedules align, we get to hang out and it's this really rare, fun, beautiful thing. Um, that probably wouldn't work for a monogamous person because monogamous people tend to be looking for something very specific that can fill a need, especially if you're single. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need someone, you're looking for a life partner. So um, reading... So if anyone here is a Redditor, anyone listening is a Redditor, Reddit polyamory <laughs> saved my life because that Mm-mm. first year was really scary. And that subreddit is full of really knowledgeable people and people who are also struggling with the same things you're struggling with. And you submit a question and you get amazing answers. And I remember reading this one submission that was like talking about this like hardcore professional female who was married had her husband at home but she traveled a lot and so part of them being Polly was so that when she was gone he could be like having fun adventures having his needs met and then while she was gone she could like have her adventures and needs met and there was another girl a guy who was single and he's like I'm never home and so he didn't feel like he had any primary partners but he had a lot of secondary partners secondary is just casual um, they don't take a priority in your life um, and so he his lifestyle didn't lend to having a primary partner so Polly worked well for him because he had lots of secondaries and they all had primaries so it left him free to go travel and never be home he was the guest star yeah it's <laughs> amazing yeah. it works really well it can work really well in your life yeah yeah i, I just I, love hearing all this information <laughs> just because there's so many people that are programmed or choose to be monogamous yeah that mm-hmm. just don't really get it yeah and then it's hard explaining like where i come from or certain ideals when people are just like mm, that's not the way it works and then just he's getting to sit here and talk to you about it and you're like yeah it's tough but like i figured it out here are the good things that can come of it and i'm like uh, there's hope people are like polyamory sounds so hard and i'm like dude so is monogamy they are both mm-hmm. hard it's just which one fits your values and that you like. So I'm challenged by both. I just know that I'm Polly. It's not like, well, Polly's easy to me now, but I still am growing from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get jealous, but I prefer to work through my jealousy than to let my jealousy be a control mechanism. So I don't think Joe should have to change his life because I'm feeling jealous. I think I would rather work through that emotion um, because really it, it comes, it's an insecurity and fear. Um, I think, did you ask me about scheduling? I did, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely um, something that I haven't had to worry about yet, but it feels like it is looming where I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going out on a date with somebody else that night, so I can't fit you in. And how you deal with, like, the jealousy kind of within that. So for practicality scheduling-wise... when you start dating me, inevitably within the first couple weeks, you will get a text from me that says something like, 
hey babe i know spontaneity is way sexier than scheduling but show business plus polyamory equals we have to schedule or you will never get to see me (laughs) um and so scheduling is not sexy but when i like someone it's like because i can't really it's hit and miss like if you're like hey what are you doing right now let's go get dinner i probably have a rehearsal or Mm -hmm. i have a really busy social life Mm mm-hmm not that I'm ever doing anything important, but like I do have friends that are like, what are we doing? Eating junk food in your garden tonight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I almost always have something planned. And so if you want to get in to see me, like we have to schedule it. And I know that's not sexy, but then it gives me something to look forward to. Now I don't need to be blowing up your phone and wondering and daydreaming. When am I going to get to see you? I know I'm mm-hmm. going to get to see you on Friday mm-hmm. and we're going to have a sleepover and we're going to have brunch in the morning and then I'll see you in two weeks. I love that because yeah. that's a problem that I've had just with the, with multiple relationships already where my parents are separated. So I'll go to dinner with my mom and then my yeah. dad will be like, when are you going to make time for me? So then I make time for my dad and then my, I want to see my siblings. I obviously want to hang out with my boyfriend. I'm mm-hmm. doing this show. I'm working, mm-hmm. involved in theater. And I'm like, okay, like I'm doing all these things. Yeah. So I'm pretty much on a set schedule. Yeah. And then I have people like, oh, like I'll just, let's not make a plan. I'll just text you and see what's going on. I was like, no. Well, it's just not going to work. That's very hard yeah. for me. Yeah. And like, I will yeah. probably be busy. And then that's been an issue with me and my boyfriend, especially because I just finished a nine-month run at my local theater, where it was just, like, busy, busy events, events, show, show, show. And he's like, when am I going to get to see you? And I was like, oh, we can plan something for this day. He's like, that, one, that seems, like, far away. And two, we, I have to plan dates with you. So yeah. it just felt like a sense of, I just don't know what I need to be doing yeah. to make that schedule a little bit better Again, for it feels not sexy, and it sounds unromantic to plan dates. It's not get over it. It's actually extremely romantic to hmm. schedule someone in. Um, and if you don't want to do that, then date a less busy person. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. Um, also, my first boyfriend, we had it down. It was like, okay, well, we need to keep ourselves in check so that we're not trying to see each other too much. Because when you're falling in love, it's called NRE in the poly world. It stands for new relationship energy. And it's the high you get when a crush is being reciprocated in your first, like, falling for each other and it's that fire and it's that drug it's like mm. straight into the veins when they text you when they call you when you see them and you're just oh that's nre you get high it is a drug it will wear off mm. um so you have to learn to not give into it too much um so my first boyfriend we were like every tuesday night we had dinner and then my partner joe would either work friday or saturday night and so we would just our second date of the week would be whatever night Joe was working mm-hmm. so that I'd be convenient for Joe too. And then that was it. Um, and then sometimes he would come over and spend time with Joe and just to make sure that that bond was there as well. That was going to be my next question. Do you, are all of your secondaries, do they get to meet your primary? Yeah. Is that part of the relationship or is that something that you choose to do? That's something that we choose to do. All non-monogamous relationships are different. Choose your own poly, mm-hmm. right? For me, um, I, it, it, it uh, it's hard because when I experiment and date men who are not experienced with polyamory, if I, if they go too long without meeting Joe, they build a wall because ultimately there's like a resistance there. Mm-hmm. Um, poly men have no problem. Like poly men are like, oh, cool. When am I meeting Joe? Should we all have dinner? You know, like it's so natural yeah, to fine. them. So when I'm dating men who are unexperienced with polyamory, I have to be very strategic. Okay. Like you're going to come over. We're going to be at a bar. Joe's going to be there. He'll be on a date. You know, like it's mm-hmm. the perfect setting to meet him in. Um, and I try to really not date ex- an experienced non-poly men anymore because it, 
it's hard. Yeah, we actually, we had that talk uh, last summer, I feel like, when we almost dated the same guy. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was super funny because I we like took a picture and I put it up on, on Instagram and Jess texted me and was like, um, is that guy's name so-and-so? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And, and I talked to him about it and he was just like, yeah, we were, we just, our schedules didn't meet up. And so we never ended up like uh, doing anything. And, and the polyamory thing was weird and I didn't really, I didn't understand it. And then I'm like, okay. What tends to happen is that guys like me or they like the idea of me. And so they make a concession. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's, they'd rather date me and deal with Polly than like just walk away from the beginning. And to some extent, it's like kudos to like being willing to try something new. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them make it. Some of them become Polly afterwards. And then they're like, I have been looking for this. Oh, thank you so much <laughs> for teaching me how to do this. Um, but some of them end up, you know, right back right. into monogamy, which mm-hmm. brings me back to, um, jealousy with dating so if you tell Mm -hmm. another person like i can't go out with you this night because i'm on another date would you feel that jealousy if they're like i have a business meeting or right right yeah yeah and you wouldn't you wouldn't your brain is only possessive there's something in that sex energy there's something about it that's possessive and controlling romance is entitlement like for Mm -hmm. like the standard it's oh no you if we're doing this together, you belong to me. Like you're not, you don't belong to me, but your body belongs to me and only no, me. Does. That's, like mm. you can only be intimate. You can only show this romance with me. Mm. With me. Yeah, yeah. My friend, my Spock poly friend is convinced that polyamory and capitalism like go hand in hand, or sorry, monogamy mm-hmm. and capitalism go hand in hand because capitalism is all about, this is what I own. This is mine. Yeah. You can't have it. Get your own. So um, and there's something hot about it and we can like find it evolutionarily. Like they're, can be all kinds of reasons that we could find as to why controlling owning is hot. I say save it for the bedroom. That's why God invented role playing. (laughs) So like, I'm not saying it's not hot. Like it's hot to be like, "Mm, this ass is mine. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Leave it. Like you're not, I, I say that it's not actually yours. I'm going to say that in the moment because it's hot. Right. Because it's and in it's, the moment. And it sounds way better than, oh, this ass is rented. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I say... Um, I'm going to beg borrow steel for that ass. <laughs> this ass is yours and also you share well with others. Um, but yeah, so like, save. that's why God invented role play. Like, don't let it seep into the rest of your life unless you're monogamous, in which case, obviously. But right. Yeah, it is hot. Like, I get it. Like, but. And speaking of the bedroom, I would really like to talk about how that works. Oh, my God. Tell me, what is your question? So I and I'm I'm asking this like I don't know. I do. But um, for the audience, I'm being I'm playing stupid. Um, How does it work having sex with multiple people? How do you stay safe and protected and just like navigate that like are there yeah like are there days where you're just like listen i'm like road hard and put away wet i can't have sex with you right now yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) um so joe gets hornier the more sex he's having so like and whereas i'm like the opposite i'm like no i've had mine um (laughs) which could be hard for joe sometimes um so we are Joe. My number is <laughs> <I know. laughs> no. Joe is like for for the audience. Joe is like super sexy and just a freaking dreamboat. 
He's and so like, sweet. The perfect dude. Too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody that I've ever come into contact with that knows Joe is in love with Joe. Everyone mm-hmm. loves Spike. Joe. Every, everyone loves Joe. And what a sin would it be to keep that to myself? Because he's got healing, especially for women. He can like he is notorious for like reminding women who really tend to settle for less that they deserve more. And mm-hmm. so I feel like, yes, go go on a date with Joe and f- plug into the feeling that you deserve a Joe, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're psycho safe sexers because my whole thing is is I want to be poly for life and that means taking care of myself. Um, and now that I'm pregnant too. Um Yay, congratulations. Not it's just not me and <laughs> Joe. Like so when you know, we have to respect Joe and my baby when we um have sex, so it's condom always. So usually like um they the boys and the girls that I um date will get this speech. Usually I make it really sexy, like I'll plant the seed early, like there's a safe sex talk coming, and they'll be like, okay, and then we'll be like getting it on, and it's like a movie, and I'm like, okay, you ready for the talk? And like in between kisses, I say I have three rules. And so the first rule is condom always. And like, and in fact, this is kind of my douchebag test. Like, I'm gonna tell you condom always, and if at any point you attempt to like talk me out of it, or I don't see you being proactive. I had a lover one time who sprinkled condoms all over the room so that no matter where we were, it wasn't. You an could just issue. grab and I one. Was like, thank you, thank you. Cute. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it to be like, ugh, I'm right, that condom roll, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. No one loves condoms, but guess what? That's my fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's actually sexier if you could be all about it, please. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, condom always. Um, number two is I don't in practice oral sex, engage in oral sex with anyone who does not present a recent STI test to me. Um, and so if you want to have oral sex with me, because um, I'm not going to do condoms, oral sex, no thank you. Um, yeah, nobody, nobody wants to suck down plastic. That's no, not a thing. And I have out of desperation, but... Um, and so, and again, this seems like something that's not sexy. There's actually nothing sexier than getting tested for someone. Nothing in the world. Yeah, for um, sure. And so I had a lover one time that had the same rule because he was polyman, And we texted each other, like, the screenshot of, like, doctor's appointment in the calendar. And then, like, when the results came in. And <laughs> it's, re- it's actually extremely romantic. And yeah. then that way you know. And then the rule is... Okay, once you've passed a test, we're having an oral sex life, whatever. If you engage in unprotected sex with someone new, I just need to know. Yeah. And then I make the decision from there probably to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you want to get retested. Um, and then it's like, just don't lie to me. It's I'm not going to yeah. tri- trip out. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not going to be like, I can't believe. Like, single people, I get it. Mm. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, like you get to go out and be like, I'm not going to wear a condom. Okay. I don't get to do that. So I just need to know. And my third rule is um, we pull out even with a condom on Um, Hmm. because I'm hella fertile. So, (laughs) 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 like, and I could feel it too before I get pregnant. Rule number three is off the table right now for me because I'm pregnant already, (laughs) Um, which is a little nine month vacation for me. But, um, (laughs) But yeah, those are my three rules. And if at any time they're disrespected, you got to go. I appreciate that. And I, like, yeah. sticking to your guns about it, too, is so important because mm-hmm. there are people who try different things, especially like if they're going to be tra- starting polyamory to be like, oh, I have these three rules, uh, but I'm a little lenient on this. 
I'm a little lenient. We can break this rule. That's fine. But mm-hmm. once you're like sticking to your guns, that kind of helps you foster yourself as an individual and be like, totally. this yeah. is who I am in this relationship and the relationship that I'm choosing to be in. Mm-hmm. So I'm sticking to it. And anyone who doesn't respect that is not respecting your choices. Dude, totally. Right. And like I, only one time in my entire sex life have I slept with a dude who was like, I always wear condoms. We're wearing a condom. And I'm like, oh, it's so sexy. Hmm. Because here's the thing is, is like, I'm Polly, so it's known that I'm sleeping with multiple people. So you're like, I hope you're wearing condoms. <laughs> if you meet somebody at a bar, they're probably sleeping with multiple people. Or even if they right. have been monogamous, they have still slept with multiple people over mm-hmm. time and probably haven't been tested. Mm-hmm. You're really just functioning under an illusion that this person's probably fine. Hmm. Or even if you get into a monogamous relationship, someone, they still came out of something. Right. You know, and so you should start all relationships getting tested. Um, one Get of, tested together. That's also sexy. That's so sexy. Right. And um, one of our goals. Hey. One of our goals is um, someday if we want to <laughs> become in a polyfidelis relationship, which is when multiple partners are your poly but you're saying we're not going to sleep with anyone else like we're locking down the, our poly circle mm-hmm. then you all get tested and then you can have all kinds of fun <laughs> without condoms because you've all been tested and you're right. and you're monogamous with is your polyfidelis so we're talking about polyamory and we just wanted to hear from bike joe or at least they did yeah husband joe just showed up so, okay, so <laughs> before i go what would you like to know <laughs> So, um, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was going to respond because um, <laughs> Jess was kind of telling us earlier that she was in for the polyamory from the get-go and that it was you who kind of had to get involved in the lifestyle. Tell us your perspective just a little bit. What was it like hearing that news? What was it like coming to that realization that you were also poly? It was a slow realization that this is what I wanted but wasn't ready to explore on my own. And... Really, the key issue for me was trust that I trusted Jess to do what was best for herself and our relationship, even if I couldn't go out there and explore for my own self. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a test to check my insecurities and my jealousy and to become and strong and solid in my own right and not need that external validation from another partner. And it really re-solidified my own foundation that I'm my own greatest source of love at the end of the day and if I can't give myself love well then I'm never going to get that from another person oh my god that's my man right there I'm crying this is this we were just totally chatting you up and we were like he's so awesome and now everybody gets to know about it and now everyone who (laughs) listens is like nope yep um they're right I get it I'm I'm there yeah It reminded me of when I was a lot younger and I was too timid and insecure for relationships at all. And so kind of going back to that time where I spent a lot of time on my own, I reminded myself that, hey, I was okay then and I can be okay again. This time I have a partner. I'm married. And so I'm doubly okay. She was a lot more ready than I was. (laughs) And I think she definitely trusted me when I began to go out there and explore on my own when it was when I felt comfortable to to do that it was something that I knew that I always wanted but I think there was also a fear of allowing the other person that same degree of freedom Mm -hmm. and trust and so being able it's one thing to think it but to actually do it took a lot of time and certainly there was some frustration and 
my own darkness that I had to face, but in the end, it was good for me. So did coming out of that darkness help with the worry of the relationship? Because I know that um, when I approached the subject to my boyfriend, he was very much like, it seems like such an interesting concept, but I would just be worried about partner A being able to find romance or sex or just that intimacy with like three, four people, but partner B finding it with one, finding it with two or none at all. Has that ever been an issue in your relationship or is it just because of that trust is there that you're like, I have enough self-love for me that I don't need the numbers for it? I think it showed that my level of trust in my own self and in our relationship wasn't where I thought it was. And so it was a slow road kind of rebuilding that foundation and it took some time, but the work was definitely worth it. And so, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of fear there, but also I recognized that was an opportunity to rebuild that foundation. But you're talking about what happens if one partner is uneven. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying. That's where it started. It was it was uneven from the start. She was exploring and I was not. So I had to learn that at the beginning mm-hmm. of us officially becoming poly. So now at this point, do you guys keep track of numbers? Is it something you guys don't even worry? Does it phase you guys at all? <laughs> I think there is some superficial jealousy here and there when one is seemingly everything's, a, everything's good, whereas mm-hmm. the other seems to be struggling with their other partners and so i think there's on the surface level yeah i think there's some of that Mm -hmm. but but not really i love that Mm -hmm. i want to find the tally board in the house here somewhere (laughs) 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 just been giggling this entire time so what's up spill the tea no i was just gonna say like it is you know it's nice overall like if you have one partner who is like stubbornly refusing to explore because they just want to hold it over your head that they're lonely while you're you know that's something different i've known one at least one poly couple where um the one partner was just like i just am not feeling it right now she still identified as poly she encouraged her husband to go out and you know have as many girlfriends as he wanted but she was choosing to to just have one partner and Mm -hmm. that's what she wanted um and then he had, you know, several girlfriends and some serious and some not. And so you when you are secure, it does not matter. Um, and then everything comes and goes. And that's really what and both of us were awkward when we were younger. We're kind of each other's first relationship. And so we're kind of getting to date now. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're like learning the awkwardness of dating now and things like things come and go and relationships die at the three month mark always, <laughs> you know. And so um, it's just learning how to date and how to be and not really worry about the number because you'll go through phases. Like there was a phase uh, recently where all of a sudden it was just like this floodgate opened and I was hit with all these new amazing lovers and then they all just died, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a cycle. So how long like does do they almost always like die at the three month mark? Have you had anyone last longer? Either one I of had you? one relationship that was one year. And it was really intense and really serious and probably probably too, like, I was too much of his world because I didn't know how to be poly yet. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really good at keeping him in check. Um, how does the dialogue start with your secondary partners? What do you mean? Do you approach them straight up the bat like, hey, I'm Jess, I'm Polly, I have a husband, or is it like, do you work up to it? So I, the way I'm meeting people is either friends that know me. Mm-hmm. So I'm falling in love with friends. They know my situation. 
end of story. Um, or I'm meeting someone from something like OkCupid or Bumble and it's in my profile. My profile actually says I'm in a polyamorous open marriage with a husband who sets the bar really high. Good luck. So, <laughs> so they know. They absolutely okay, know. So perfect. So it's only when I'm flirting with someone in an unknown situation that I like, like, when do I, you know? Right. And mostly I just don't. I don't. I just let it go. I'm not going to be flirting and then be like, by the way, I'm married and Paul. You know, only right. if they were like, okay, can I get your number? I'd be like, sure, you should know. However, yeah. I'm not going to interrupt a perfectly good flirt session to be like, oh, by the way. Yeah. And sometimes I watch flirt sessions die because they see the ring and I don't explain it. I'm just like, whatever. That was just fun. <laughs> you know? That's fantastic. Now, I know right. you have to get going. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I feel like I talked way too much on your podcast. No, no, this no, is no, exactly no. This what was we wanted. So what you we had wanted, the answers. Yeah. Why would we talk more than you? We're at yeah. the 45-minute that's this is probably our shortest episode of all time <laughs> to be quite honest because yeah just like to go off we on will tangents. we'll go off on everything well, i want to hear from Paige. like are you feeling like you're heading in the poly direction or just are all of these dating relationships so not serious yet that it's just hasn't gone to the monogamous level yeah they're not so i've been on like five dates in eight months with one guy um and then i've been on three dates in the last like two weeks with another guy and i'm and I was, I'm talking to this one guy who has already planned out three of our dates, which is weird. Um, and he was like, well, you know, what about when we get serious? What about when blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, okay, first of all, we haven't even met yet. And secondly, I'm dating a lot of people right now, and I am pretty happy about it. You know, like, I kind of like the excitement of not knowing where my next kiss is coming from. And it's kind of fun. And I'm not... Um, and like you said earlier, how it's not always about being sexual like i'm not having sex with any of these guys mm-hmm. i haven't had sex in eight months mm-hmm. and then um this new guy was just like that's really hard and i'm like actually i'm okay mm-hmm. like i once the once the divorce went through which we talked about and i cried about um a couple <laughs> weeks ago um i really did feel this sense of like my choices are, are my own and like i can do whatever i want to do now and it's so exciting and like this guy talking about being exclusive like really got me i was like i don't want to be exclusive with you and i've gotten and and i like him a lot like he and i probably have the chance of getting along way more than any of the other people but at the same time like i like the other people and i was like thinking about like the point when i'm gonna have to tell all of them that i'm being monogamous with somebody else And I was like, God, that'd be shitty. I don't even want to have that conversation. Right. And so I'm in this weird in between right now where I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I think that I'm just really exploring my options because I was I was very much like um, like husband Joe. (laughs) Community husband. Community husband Joe, where I did not date in high school. Mm -hmm. Chad and I met in college and we got married and that was it. And it was Paul. It was not. It was like straight up monogamous all the way up until we separated and then i had one three month (laughs) relationship with somebody that was like hot and fast and wonderful and then it ended and it was like tragic and like i still think about him and it sucks because we were so compatible and he's just a coward um but 
like I really like I like all the people that I'm spending time with right now and I'm okay with not having sex with any of them and mm-hmm. I'm okay with exploring with all of them and there's I mean there's even one of them that's like I don't do relationships and I'm like that's cool because this whole Disney Ben like friends with benefits thing that we've got going on right now is pretty awesome for me yeah hold God, like yeah like hold, hold open my door for me let's go out on dates <laughs> like let's hold my hand and go to bars and have a drink like and stay out until four o'clock in the morning. Like that's so. It was nice. It's healing. Yeah, it's healing, and that's yeah. why I love Polly so much because each person has a different channel of healing for you. And I say, as long as you're being honest about it, and you're not using any one of them to make the others jealous, which is like really common. People are like, okay, I'll be Polly, but I'm going to purposely use this other relationship to make you jealous, dude. You're. <laughs> doing great you're doing you and like mm-hmm. even if you don't end up poly in the future this experience is at least a lot of people wouldn't even think of it as poly because they'd be like oh she's, yeah, just, she's just dating, dating. casually right mm-hmm. but it is poly mm-hmm. because you are dating more than one person you have amorous feelings for some of them and they're not all sexual i think mm-hmm. that's cool yeah it's kind of fun <laughs> I am so happy. I am so happy. You're happy. I, there was a couple random things I want to say about polyamory. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest thing to get over, the hardest piece of programming, is recognizing that you do not need to be everything for your partner, and it's okay. Mm. <laughs> Joe just so had a moment. Whereas I was thinking, oh my god, to deprogram, like just being Jewish, I think is going to take three years instead of one because yeah. <laughs> I've got all that compounded Jews or guilt. Catholic, like, <laughs> yeah. Either way, you're screwed two-thirds of the population but yeah so that's the hardest thing and it's this weird thing that just isn't true and yet we are like demand that it is and so the first thing that happens is like um your partner gets a partner who loves something that they love that you don't love and suddenly Mm. you get really jealous and you don't want that person around instead of being like oh my god that's so cool for you guys right because you feel like you need to be everything for your partner and it's never going to happen it does not exist so get over it and just Mm -hmm. be happy for them right be happy that you don't have to go to those baseball games with them anymore right Um, and then also take the pressure off of your partner to be everything even monogamous people i'm talking all y'all like your partner cannot be everything to you Mm -hmm. so even as practical as i like women joe is not a woman he literally cannot be every need that Mm -hmm. i want Mm -hmm. and he shouldn't have to you're trying to say something (laughs) I would just like to add that one thing that I've learned, and that is one of the chief payoffs for me, is that intimacy comes from a variety of places and in different forms. And so the analogy that I always use is what if you're in a monogamous relationship and your partner has a very intimate friendship with another person that is deeper than sex or that is more perhaps more meaningful? Are you allowing of that relationship, even though it goes to another place? that intimately that you don't have with your partner and so that's kind of what polyamory is like for me is opening up those circuits to tap into all the different ways that we can be intimate with other humans and learn and grow there are many ways to be lovers um yes thank you community (laughs) husband (laughs) for that and um i forget what the last thing i was gonna say was but polly's like really fun and interesting and you can build it yourself i recommend reading the ethical slut it's the greatest (laughs) most basic poly thing that you could read if you were just if you just wanted to understand it you know you're not trying to freak out your boyfriend or something (laughs) by reading it but you just want to understand it read the ethical slut um and just recognize that um 
most of these things that we say to each other that our culture has deemed romantic. So like the most romantic lines of all time, like I would die without you. I'm nothing without you. I couldn't live without you. Those are all fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. They're all too much pressure being put on the other person. I've always had a problem with that. Like I would die without you. Like, okay. Wow. Right. But we call that romantic. Our culture says that is romantic, but it's just possession. And, um, if you seriously feel like you would die without someone, then you need to look at your own codependent issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should want to thrive alongside someone and not need them to need you to need them to need you to need them to need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your yeah, time. Yeah, thank you so much Joe, for also yeah, thank you for your yeah. input. That was fantastic to hear from both sides of this relationship and how you guys have kind of worked it out together. Paige, yeah. is there anything you want to add before we say goodbye to the listeners? Um, no, I think it's super awesome. But I think that that Jess already said it in the podcast, but we need to say it again <laughs> <laughs> to end this. So remember, everyone, always, always wear, wear a condom. condom. Bye. Bye. <laughs>